Welcome to Parenting with Pam, with me, your host, Pamela Query. I am a certified hand-in-hand parenting instructor, and I am here to help you keep your cool while still getting your kids to cooperate, so you can parent in a peaceful way and actually enjoy being a parent. That means no more endless negotiating, lecturing, or explaining, no need for threats, bribes, or consequences, no more daily yelling. So if you want to create a peaceful home, I'm here to show you how. In this week's episode, I am joined by Catherine McCabe. She is a social ecologist and she's the founder and director of the Change Agency. So Catherine is passionate about creating change at a systems level. And in this conversation, we look at how we can change our society for the better through parenting. So I invite you to check out Catherine's work. Details of how you can connect with her are in the show notes. So just to give you a little bit of background, we started this conversation in a workshop that we jointly facilitated as part of the Imagine Festival of Ideas in March 2022 on how parenting can change the world. So the link to the replay of the full workshop is available in the show notes. And in that workshop, myself and Catherine discussed in much more detail how parenting continues to evolve over many thousands of years and how we're moving from this system of control-based parenting into connection-based parenting. Then we look at how the hand-in-hand parenting tools can help us in this transition to be more conscious and peaceful parents. And then we also discuss the challenges that we all face as parents in the Western world today. So if you love this episode, I encourage you to check out the workshop for more on this conversation. So, um, and really, I enjoyed the conversation with Catherine so much that I decided to invite her onto the podcast and I'm so happy that she agreed. So let's turn to that now and let's zoom out for a minute and take a look at the big picture of parenting and why we think gentle parenting can and will change the world. I would absolutely love to keep this conversation going. So please, um, if you feel called to share your thoughts on this topic, uh, get in touch. Let's keep the conversation going. Welcome, dear parents. Welcome back to the show. And today we're going to do something a little bit different because today I'm having my first ever guest on the podcast, uh, which is the wonderful, a dear friend of mine and uh, just an all round amazing person, the wonderful Catherine McCabe. So thank you so much for being here with us, Catherine. Oh, I'm excited. I didn't know it was your first guest. That's so lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and I think it is so fitting that you are my first guest on the podcast because, um, you just to, I just want to explain to the listeners a little bit that, um, Catherine, you were the one who first introduced me to first of all to aware the aware parenting approach, and then to the hand in hand parenting approach. So it was back in um 2015, and my son, who is now six years old, he was um a newborn baby, and I didn't know Catherine at all, and we were in a Facebook group like a gentle parenting like Irish Facebook group and I was definitely like searching for I knew there was something missing from my parenting because I had done the whole attachment style parenting with my daughter who was about four years old then and like she wasn't happy and I wasn't happy and when her little brother came along uh, I was so impatient she was struggling with having a little brother I was really impatient. I couldn't control my own temper. It was really, really difficult time for us. And I was like, there must be, you know, I want to be a gentle parent and I want to do this attachment style parenting, but it's not adding up. And there's something, and I was really searching for something 
out there and then you posted Catherine in the in the in this Facebook group I didn't know who you were and you put, posted something about aware parenting and this idea about tears and crying and how it is actually part of the natural healing process that that we all have as humans and how we can really support our children with that and for me it was just massive I read the, the article that you posted and this massive light bulb went on I was like oh my god and then I think I private messaged you and said oh thank you for sharing this I need to know more about this and then we struck up a bit of a, a conversation and um, a friendship around that and from that came the hand-in-hand -hand parenting approach so and then you were another really important part of the journey then was because then I think it was 2017 you um, uh, invited over a hand-in-hand -hand instructor from Hungary to come and do a workshop in um, in Longford where you are living and uh, then I came down I, I traveled down from Belfast down to Longford and I went to that weekend workshop and it was just so amazing because I felt like a total sort of freak I suppose in terms of like parenting in this way and listening to feelings and um I felt very isolated and very alone with it in the community that I was in and just to go down and meet other people who were parenting in this way and to get the support of a of um, a really amazing instructor uh Zhuzhi, who had come over um so that so that was a huge step in my journey as well to do that and then I invited, as a result of that, I invited Zhuzhi up to Belfast to um, do a workshop with me up in Belfast, which was so, it was so popular. Loads of people came and it was so exciting to do that. And then it was her who said to me, Pamela, you should be an instructor. You should do your hand in hand instructor training um, because you just really get this approach and I can see how much it means to you. So then it was kind of that little, it's amazing when, you know, when somebody sees that and invites you, or gives you permission nearly. Um, just in that moment, I decided, right, I'm doing the instructor training. Um, and then that next year I did the instructor training and and yeah and now here I am doing a podcast that's so beautiful thank you for the part that you've played in in my journey with all of this Catherine oh thank you for for naming that part and you know putting it all straight back at you for taking the steps that resonate you know and the courage that it takes to keep on that path of doing something that's pushing against what we have either grown up with or what surrounds us. It's, it's sometimes feels like a hard choice between feeling included in what's normal and feeling included in what feels right to ourselves. So it's, it's a hard decision every time. Congrats for doing it. Wow, yeah, thank you, thank you. And so then, so what's, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna get you to introduce yourself a little bit now in a moment, so, but I just want to explain then that um, you know, we've stayed in, in contact ever since then, mostly online, virtually. Um, <clears throat> and then you came, you came to me last year um, and were like, right, the time is now. We need, to, we need to speak more about this parenting approach and the bigger picture of this. And um, so, so Catherine, your background is in uh, social ecology. And I would love for you to, to explain maybe a little bit about social ecology and how you came to it, how it found you or how you find it um, and uh, how that relates to parenting a little bit. Um, social ecology, I studied as a master's program when I was supposed to be backpacking through Australia for a year. And um, I think I'd been a seeker since my childhood, trying to make sense of culture trying to make sense of why I didn't fit and why the world just seemed to not make sense to me. I couldn't understand how kids were treated 
disrespectfully. I couldn't understand how they were treated as less than. And then I couldn't understand how animals were treated as less than. And then I couldn't understand how nature was treated than less than. And then I couldn't understand that women were treated as less than. And then I couldn't understand that people of color and black people were treated as less than. Um, and that, you know, certain roles, it just, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't work out the lack of equity across the whole of society. That just never made sense to me. Um, but I couldn't find any avenues for deep questioning in my childhood and in my teenage years. And I, and I went into kind of typical questioning paradigms and studied science and got very lost there because really I'm much more of a kind of social scientist than a hard scientist, but I ended up studying physics and getting lost in biology and loved ecology and loved kind of some of those like more, um, yeah, like mysterious understandings of science. I loved all that. And then kept trying to make sense of the world and traveled like, you know, as a great rise of passage for people in Ireland to often like leave uni and go traveling. And there somebody handed me a book and the book changed my whole life. And it made me understand that what we were being told as human nature was actually not human nature. It was a result of culture, it was a result of the cultural conditions that create a particular way of being in the world. And that really filled me with hope and fascinated me. So I was like, okay, well, how do we change culture then if culture is what's causing these human behaviors that are not really working for a lot of people they're working for some but not for most of us then how do we change that if it's not actually human nature if it's about like the culture that we're in and the conditions that that culture creates different kind of behavior for people how do we change that and then i found this masters in social ecology and when I read the description, I just cried because it was like that moment, you know, when you feel like a pathway forward for the things that you believe in and love. And so I studied that master's and it's really about understanding. Um, <clears throat> it's really about understanding how things that we typically see as separate are all interdependent and connected. And particularly in my application of social ecology, I'm interested in how our understanding of the world shapes our behavior. And so how can we change behavior by changing our understanding of the world? So that's really how, how I work now. I work with groups across different contexts. So community groups and institutions um, and you know anybody who's really looking to engage in a change process that is about deep culture change but also structural change that mirrors the kind of um, relationships that we want to have so how do we create structures that are actually power sharing rather than power over and how do we create relationships that are conflict friendly instead of conflict averse and see you know having challenging conversations is actually part of how we change the culture to be more aligned with what more people need those kind of things and I suppose that's so relevant to parenting isn't it and that's why we wanted to, that's why we decided to have these conversations because um you know I'm in my work I work with parents that are in the in the trenches of parenting as I call it and that are you know really struggling they feel very called to be um to, to parent with respect and with gentleness 
uh, but they're, they're struggling how to do that. But often these parents, the big picture is really important to them as well. And it's really important to me. And I think that that's why we wanted to have this conversation is like, um, let's zoom out for a little moment and look at that like big picture of, of parenting and how these small interactions that we have with our kids every day, um, how that uh, has that ripple effect and how it really forms us as human beings and how we go out and like interact with the world. So, um, yeah, so do you want to, like, I'm, that's the thing, I'm on the ground in the trenches, whereas you have this, I, this is what I love about having conversations with you, Catherine, is that you have this big picture thinking on the, the systems level. So um, do you want, to, do you want to, to share with me a little bit about how you see parenting in that lens of, of Zoom, the zoomed out lens, I suppose? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm in the trenches too, so sometimes it is hard to see above the trenches, isn't it? And I think that's why you and I have been so excited about reconnecting with this conversation, because we all lose sight of the big why. Like, why are we doing this? Like, it's so much harder <laughs> to parent in a way that, like, requires us to bring parts of ourselves that we'd rather not look at and to heal them in relation to our children because you know typically we're triggered by our children that's the reality it's not just that we're missing the tools and the way to do it but often even when we have the tools I know for myself like I understand the tools really well and um, I can apply them now really well <laughs> however I'm often like super triggered right so there's a, there's a part of my past that needs to be dealt with almost like on a daily right that's the trenches of parenting so for me it's been really helpful to remember like god why am I doing this right like why is this important for me to relate to my children in a different way um, and for me like at a personal level it's because obviously I want kids that have a good relationship with me and that feel that they can be themselves and that you know have to heal less from their childhoods that's that's the ideal that's the dream and then the big picture popping my head above those trenches for me parenting is a tool for cultural change it's a it's a tool that's accessible to many people you know it's one of those big kind of sweeping possible tools because there's so many people that are involved either directly in parenting or with other children and how they relate to those children can make such a huge difference. Like I know most of us will have those amazing moments from our childhood or from that one teacher who saw us, who saw us and who was able to relate to us beyond all of that cultural conditioning of children should be seen and not heard. And what would you know? And you know, it's, you know, you have to be quiet in this context who really saw us and the difference that that makes. So when I think about the possibility that how we relate to children can actually the impact that that, that that can have on culture on the broader culture that's what excites me so not only you know with a parenting approach like this are we helping individual children to develop and understand ways of relating that we had to learn like I remember my first time when I started social ecology and it's an experiential program there's no real power over like it, there's roles within that but we're sitting in circle we're expected to have like our own thoughts and opinions and that's welcomed the differences between opinions is welcomed I had no idea how to relate in that context I had never seen that done 
I had never seen that done in my mid twenties. So I feel excited that now, you know, my children and the children that I interact with will know another way of relating other than just power over. And they, they have a different perspective of the world that's not just about competition, but it's about collaboration. You know, those like minute level stuff. Like one of my most exciting parenting wins is that I shifted the dominant language from he to she, you know, when talking about bugs and birds. So now when my children think about doctors, they think about she. Like little tiny kind of tweaks in our worldview and our perception that moves power away from where it's traditionally been held. So that really excites me. And then, so that's kind of like the skills, new skills for, that we can share with our children through our parenting journey. And then the other part that really interests me around the hand in hand approach is it's healing. So it's like, it doesn't expect anybody to be perfect. It doesn't expect us to come in and ignore our humanity in relation to our children. It validates our own painful experiences in the past and it makes space for them in a safe way. Um, and therefore that's healing. And it gives us tools for working with our own children. And of course, the pains that they've picked up from just being in the world, like, you know, when we didn't respond to them straight away and they feel excluded from our conversation, just even the little things and the big things, I think, it gives us tools to help them heal. And for the big picture, you know, what I see in my work with groups are adults who have been brought up in a culture where we are typically subservient to those with power. You know, we don't know how to hold our own agency in relation to authoritarian power. We have never really been shown how to do that. And so we get people in boardrooms who uh, kowtow to those in power and who don't stand their ground when something doesn't feel right. And they don't really know how to do that without maybe exploding in anger or you know, creating a scene that doesn't feel good to them. They don't know how to just very clearly state that what's being proposed is not okay with them or they don't know how to use humor, like in the hand-in-hand -hand tools to, to call out a racist joke, you know? They, they, that, that really interests me, like those like minute ways that we interact with each other, um, how we show up in groups and how that either normalizes the typical power structure or how it very subtly even shifts it. I think that parenting can teach children but also help us to remember as parents how to relate differently how to notice our own triggers and the ways in which we maybe want to have power over our children because it's easier right at times it's easier just to take power and send them wherever you want them to go but I think this parenting approach gives us an experience of the kind of relationships that can be possible when we share power and that's so beautiful and that gives me hope for culture change because I think that that meets the needs that humans like so deeply have a needs to be a need to be seen a need to relate to others without a sense of coercion or manipulation uh, to have our needs met and to to be there in community I think these these parenting approaches give us a doorway back into that and remind us that we're all interdependent in that way and that we can all thrive with more 
relationships of um, care. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose thinking about most of us who have kids under under 10 were raised in the, I suppose, in the 1980s. And that, like that, the parenting paradigm that was so uh, powerful then was, yeah, it was this like power over type approach. And I suppose then now like we are adults now and that is playing out like in in the in the interaction like in the boardrooms or in the uh social interactions that we see that you know whenever we use power over on a child they grow up to that's the dynamic that they expect right in their relationships yeah and and not just at the boardroom but like you think about your relations to your kids teachers you know and how triggering it can be of our own disempowerment in school when we then go to relate to our kids principals like even in my own kids school there was a survey that went out to parents and of course the parents I was close to I was like you know let's try and be honest about this survey like you know I had to insist on anonymity for the survey um, and otherwise it wouldn't happen so again that's me saying like hey we need safety in order to be truthful here. And if we don't have that safety in this group, you're not gonna get truth. And I'm assuming you want truth so that you can change the things that aren't working for people. But the reaction that I got from parents from, for suggesting that we give honest feedback was like, oh no, I'm not even gonna do the survey. Oh no, no, I can't give that feedback. Because we grew up being silenced by people who hold power and not knowing and not feeling safe and often being very unsafe in challenging that power. So that's where the healing stuff comes back mm -hmm. in from this approach. Like the listening partners that you talk about is one of the five tools for hand in hand. That's for parents, right? That's for parents to be able to offload. Oh my God, I'm terrified. I've got to talk to the principal. What do I do, right? And to just be able to talk about that with another adult and get rid of some of those feelings. Um, so that we've got more space to respond so that we we can actually choose how we want to live our values you know I think that really interests me in this kind of culture change piece is like and it's one of the frustrations with parents parenting as well you know we often have these values that we just can't relate into the way we relate to our children we just can't transfer them in and that's where, you know, the tools and, and the healing part of it, I think, can be so helpful because it can show us that doorway in to creating new models and they can be transferable everywhere. So that's one of the things I love about the parenting approach because parenting is so immersive. You know, it is not a part time job. It is not a hat that you can take on and off like you're in. You're so in for like decades, like it can be such a practice. Um, an exhausting one you know and I think such a, a one that's so easily to burn out in without some more support and I just I love that about the hand in hand approach that it says you can't do this without support like you, you know you can do this for a little bit but you really your needs matter and I love that mm, and that's the thing I was just I was just thinking of that like um with my own children uh earlier you know whenever I became a parent and, and I was thinking you know I really want my daughter to be able to to speak her mind and and listen to what her body's telling her and to to act you know in a way that feels right to her 
but then she was refusing to do things that I really really wanted her to do and because I didn't have that opportunity to say no to things as a child you know because you know I was raised in the 80s I was a you know one of four children very close together and we didn't have a lot of opportunity to say no actually I want things to be this way so whenever my I was encouraged I was actively encouraging my daughter to do that but whenever she then turned around and did it I really struggled my all my emotions would come up there around you know fear and like frustration and resentment and you know how does she why does she get to say no um to these things that I didn't get to say no and this is all on a subconscious level of of course all I all I'm feeling in the moment is like she's refusing to do this thing that I think she should do and I'm in a panic now and I'm so frustrated and I must force her to do this and so this kind of default parenting would come out in me so so um, often I go into this default mode of just being like no you must do it and I don't know why you must do it but my everything in my body is telling me you just must be this way um, and that's how we repeat the patterns of of this uh, kind of control-based parenting I suppose um, and and then also what you were saying about school I remember my daughter started school and she really struggled with it um, and her first day I knew I wasn't willing to leave her on her own on her first day as the teachers wanted us to so I told her I'll stay with you and it was only for an hour I'll stay with you if you need me to stay and of course she needed me to stay and the teacher like sat me down on one of the little chairs and I, I was sitting there and then she came over to talk to me and told me it was time for me to leave and I was I was sitting there <laughs> so small and um you know I was back in that dynamic of being like a, a little child and a teacher telling me what to do and I remember I was trembling um, and I can feel like I actually can feel myself starting to tremble now even thinking of it I was trembling and I had to I had to I, but I was really driven I had to stick up for my daughter and I'd made this promise for her and I was like I'm doing this um, and I said no I'm not leaving I'm not leaving her and um, today I'll leave her I'll prepare her and I'll leave her tomorrow but today I'm not leaving her. I'm sticking by her because this is what she needs and it was one of the hardest things I I needed I had to do and I that was preceded by lots of listening partnership time because I knew this I knew I had these old hurts from from school and that power dynamic and I worked on that a lot and even with that I was like trembling but I was able to stand to stand my ground with her um so yeah I think that uh it, it's so hard we, we have these values as parents that are really important to us um and then when it comes down to the micro level of actually doing that in the moment it's so difficult it's it can be so difficult you get overcome and I think that plays out in the wider world as, as well you know that's you know we've, we've spoken about this before Catherine haven't we about like uh you know standing up for what is right whenever you've been told your whole life not to stand up for what is right like through the school system and through parenting then um whenever it comes to it in you know in when it, whenever you see it in the real world in terms of social justice and things that can be so hard to actually uh stand up for those things and to stand your ground and to speak out I, I think you have some experience of that do you want to share anything about that yeah, I think it is really hard to speak out. And it's also really hard to see others speak out. You know, I'm thinking of, of often the social media response that we can all read in relation to, you know, social change protests, you know, and how there's typically such a vocal pushback of those kind of actions of the collective saying, this is not okay. Like I'm thinking about unionizing Starbucks and Amazon and how, 
often there's there's a, a pushback from the norm, from the cultural norm that says, don't be rocking the boat. You know, why are you making trouble for yourself? Um, and how often we shut down other people's attempts to stand up for themselves because it makes us feel so uncomfortable or unsafe or, you know, it, again, triggers those memories of the time that we did that and we got laughed at or the time that we did that and we got excluded in some way or or shamed or put down in some way and I, I think that's just the truth right that's just the reality that we have inherited from the parenting paradigms that most of us have grown up in um, there's very few that don't have that experience there's very few that find it easy to stand against what's typical um, so I would say that as a starting place that for, for most people that that's just the reality of it. So now if, if that doesn't work for most of us anymore, like if we're seeing the limitations of the capitalist system, if we're seeing the limitations of the impact of that thinking on our ecological systems, right? Like if we're seeing last week, the IPCC, the International Panel of Climate Change um, releasing their big four-year report telling us we have a, now a very short period of time. Uh, and even if we stop tomorrow, we've already set a path for extreme weather conditions that may or may not be survivable, right? That's the reality of the world that we're dealing with right now. So we can choose to, you know, just go on down the regular path that the culture has shaped for us, or we can see, okay, what are the tiny minuscule ways in my own life that I can shift that pattern of relating, that I can offer my child more power uh, to be able to develop those skills that for me, what I, how I think about it is like, what are the cultural conditions? What are the kind of ways that we are with each other that are more likely to create more equity for people and less oppression. Like right now we have a cultural system that's very good at creating inequity. It's really good at creating oppression for some with a small amount of benefit for a, for a big amount of benefit for a small amount of people while the rest of us, you know, are kind of on that treadmill of making ends meet and feeling exhausted and never having enough energy to do the kind of parenting that we long to do and have the kind of lifestyles that we want to do. But how can we actually change culture so that we're having all of our needs met, including our children, at the same time teaching them new ways of relating so that they're not falling into um, unconscious patterns of being subservient, right, to power. If we zoom out then and think about that journey that we're on, because as um, as a parent, I suppose, as whenever I was very much in the trenches, when I was trying to figure all this out with my daughter, um, you know, like I knew that my values in terms of being respectful and parenting differently to how you know most of us were raised in the in the 1980s like that was really important to me but I I um I, I couldn't really see the bigger picture of that at the time and I think that would have been really helpful for me and it's only been I suppose it's only been um recently and through uh the, the conversations that we have had that I've really been able to see this um bigger picture a little bit more um and that's what I think that that's what we were um 
wanting to to get across today as well so recently we did uh, uh myself and Catherine did a talk with um the Belfast Festival Imagine Festival of Ideas and we were talking about how parenting can change the world um and we, we talked about this idea of uh parenting how it is evolving and how it's a ch changing over many many um thousands of years really and how we're on this kind of forward journey um, and uh, and a, a book that I would really recommend around that is um, Robin Grill's book, um, Parenting for a Peaceful World. Um, and what he talks about in that book is that if we look, and I suppose it is very much looking at Western parenting more than anything else, but whenever we look um, at that history of Western parenting, um, many thousands of years ago in like the likes of ancient Greece and ancient Rome that um, it was really infanticide was really normal and um, uh, enslavement of children was really normal, really harsh, like physical corporal punishment was extremely normal. And we've been on a journey through um, from that time forwards in terms of each generation doing a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, and I remember reading in his book as well about in the in the 17 in the 1600s that uh the, the um in across europe it was really normal for children to be sent to uh wet nurses sent out of the city to wet nurses and they'd be swaddled and they would have very limited human contact or human touch or nurturing touch um and the infant mortality was really really high and um you know it was then at the turn of that century into the 1700s that became the norm for um, parents to keep their children with them and Robin Robin Grill draws this parallel to like when those children grew up they received more warmth and more nurturance that that gave rise to the French Revolution because um, they were they were more able to stand up for themselves and expected better treatment um, and I think it's just such a fascinating idea then that as we moved forward that each generation of parents has done a little bit better. And uh, I remember my daughter, uh, she was, she's always been fascinated with Oliver Twist and the stories of, you know, his childhood and the orphanages and all of that. And we read about a lot about that. And, you know, that's only a couple hundred years ago that children were being sent up chimneys and expected to work in the Industrial Revolution, work in the factories for 12, 15 hours a day. Um, and gradually uh, we have we have gotten better and then in you know 1989 the UN convention the rights of the child it was the first time like children's rights were really recognized um <clears throat> and then you know so before I, I like I, I it was so helpful for me just to see this this um bigger picture and this journey that we've been on as as parents as parenting and as as how that impacts on the wider society um, and the way I see it in, for myself is that, you know, my mum was, a, a, she was an amazing mum and she did, she did such a great job of having four children close in age, raising us and she was determined to do it without any physical punishment, which she, which she did achieve. Um, and that was something that her, you know, her own childhood, she, you know, there was, there was physical punishment, as was the norm probably back then. Um, and she decided that's not what she wanted for her children. Um, and I'm so grateful for her that she took that big leap and that was very different from what was going on in the 80s probably a lot of people had the wooden spoon out and you know spare the rod and spoil the child and all of that so for her that was a big step forward and then how I see it now is that 
that enabled me to um, take the next step forward and think, well, you know, what about emotional well-being and how can I support my children to stay more connected to themselves and to um, uh, to, to be OK with their emotions and, you know, and, and that side of things. So, Catherine, I would love to hear your views on that you know that kind of big picture um of how the journey we've been on in terms of parenting and how that how that's how we're part of something bigger really I suppose mm. yeah I think when I get lost in the trenches that understanding or that that um that idea that that possibility that actually we're part of a human story that is moving away from coercion and control and domination to one of respect and collaboration and interdependence. Yeah, it's really, it's really inspiring to see ourselves as part of something that's bigger than us. And it's, it's such an isolating experience, parenting in this culture. And we all long for that missing village. Um, and despite how hard we try to make it happen, of course, for most of us, it just doesn't, except for moments where we feel less alone. And I think one of the ways that we've been talking about that helps us feel less alone and helps us see that we're part of actually a culture change is to recognize this long journey of, you know, of parenting, treating children differently and how that impacts our ability to stay the course and to remember okay this is the purpose of relating to my child in this micro moment while we're in the trenches in this way it's because we're part of something bigger I'd love to hear your reflections on that and how seeing it in that way Pamela you know helps you to in, in whatever way it does yeah I think that for me whenever I was I felt like I was trying to figure all of this out in my head when my kids were very young and why these things were important to me and you know why was I wanting to do things differently um and I was very much in this individualism individual mindset of like you know I, I, like I couldn't see how I how what I was doing related to the bigger culture so I think that um yeah, that, that would be so helpful for me in terms of just seeing my context in all of this is like this idea of zooming out and seeing like, you know, the journey that all of my ancestors have been on um, for so many years that, uh, and I love this idea in, in parenting. It's something I, I always keep coming back to is that, that every parent is doing their very, very best, you know, um, and I could, you know, I, I can see how in, in hindsight now because I had to go through sort of all that um through all that anger and all that healing related to it in terms of you know how things were for me and how I was taught to keep small and and you know all my wounds from growing up I suppose um but then also now I've, I've developed this real appreciation that um through looking at this big through looking at this big picture of parenting that um you know each of my ancestors was doing their very very best and they were each of them were treating their children a little bit better than the generation before and they were and often under like massively trying circumstances you know that they often had these huge physical like survival challenges like I mean it was only my I think it was my great great granny who was born in the middle of the of the the famine here in Ireland and 
you know, so her very survival, she was born into extreme poverty and starvation and she survived, you know, um, and even even with that, she was doing a little bit better in her parenting than her, probably her own mum did. And then uh, her mum was doing a little bit better and and that has that has continued on. So I love um, I think it's really important to acknowledge the the pain that this control based parenting has on on you know the, the wounds and the the healings that's necessary um but also the the strengths that have been passed down from our ancestors the big steps forward the the big steps forward that they have taken as well on this journey so um yeah so that's where that's that's some of my thoughts about it mm, i love that i think you know for me when you were mentioning there about the the convention for rights of the child i think you said 89 1989 and i'm thinking yeah like in my primary school and secondary school kids school days kids were still being hit in the republic of ireland in school during those times the last residential school and the last mother and baby home school didn't close till the mid 90s here we uh, being gay was still illegal and punishable by law when I started university and I'm only in my mid forties. Um, so it takes time, right? For that shift in culture to be felt in the trenches and in the places where we show up at that micro, micro level, it takes time. And I think for me personally, you know, I am the first generation of a parent who was in an industrial school. My mother spent 19 years in one of the most brutal residential schools in Ireland. So I could see from childhood the impact of the culture and the impact of institutions on our personal lives. So it helped me, I think, to make those connections very, very early on. Like my mom is lovely and she's been treated in a particular way that uh, for her, she knew was really wrong. She knew was really unacceptable, but she had also never seen any other models demonstrated. So I had this kind of like hyper-focused way of seeing the things that I found through my own experience in my life. Like, okay, I'd love to be able to do that differently, but I have never seen that happen. I don't know what that looks like. And I think that's where I get so excited about like the tools, the skills like that Hand in Hand teaches. Cause it's like, most of us don't know what that looks like. We might have the values that we want to apply in that way, but until we see it done and until we experience it, it's just values that have nowhere to go. And then that's so frustrating and so painful and so uh, hopeless to be a parent, you know, with high ideals for the kind of world that we want to live in. Like we might be in some kind of social justice work or care work or, you know, something where we're trying to create a different world. And then in our own parenting, we just can't make that land. Um, and I, and I, I could see that in my own family, you know, the ways in which she wanted to, like, she's very trusting and the ways in which she wanted to give us access to that trust, but also was missing some of the ways in which you create boundaries so that you've got that trust and safety. So those kind of like little details, they really um, inspire me. And then also, yeah, that bigger picture of, of in my personal life, I could see the way that institutions had so painfully crafted um, the conditions of our family and the intergenerational experience of that. 
uh, and I was really keen to find ways to you know not replicate those painful experiences in my own parenting but also to see the ways in which all of our institutions whether they be our religious institutions or educational institutions or our medical institutions they're all established from a perception that there's experts and that there's people who always know more than somebody else and i just i can't get i can't get on with that perspective because i think there's so much wisdom in people there's so much experience from from everybody's own direct life experiences that should be included in those conversations um so to feel part of you know in my day-to-day -day interactions with my children as well as in my work in general like to feel like we're sharing a cosmology of moving the world from authoritarianism and hierarchy to collaboration and power sharing that can keep me going in those like minute moments where it's like oh my god really can you just do the thing that i need you to do right like where we're just pushed up against our edges it can help me then to be like okay like this is this is not just for this moment this is for the, their future so that they have these skills of negotiation or they have these skills of listening you know i see so many adults especially men who don't know how to be with someone else's emotions right like they want to fix them or stop them and you know shush shush don't cry and i think you know when i allow my children to not be shushed and to cry i'm not just helping them in that moment i'm also helping their future selves so that they can be with somebody that they care about when they're upset without getting so overwhelmed by their own unmet feelings from the past that they're able to be with that person and they're able to be with somebody else's anger and rage and stay safe you know and know that they're safe and know when they're not safe and know how to get out and get that boundary set or look after their own self-care that they can do that even when there's people who hold power over them so to encourage our children's rebellion against us and you know that's one of the things i work in in now is like really closely with teenagers and their parents because it's there's one thing to be like have new skills right let's say as a teenager who's like able to set a boundary with their parents for example and say this is not okay with me i need something else and then it's another thing for the parents to be able to welcome that and include that in how their family functions so that everybody has more of their needs met through actually allowing more power sharing. And mm -hmm. I find that so inspiring to, to, to be like as part of, a, part of a, a moment in the culture where we're all learning how to do this. We're all learning what it's like to say no to the things that we that no longer serve us like what a time in the pandemic you know to to have things like slightly reopening again but also to have had like these experiences that were different over the last two years that gave us insights into you know maybe our chronically unmet needs that we're no longer willing to leave unmet that we're willing to kind of reclaim and find ways to um, to have our needs met more or we recognize that our children are actually struggling in ways that we couldn't see because we didn't have them at home so much and now we want to do better for them 
it's a it's a moment of reflection i think that we i think it's appropriate to encourage thinking about how we could create a different society right now how we can change things so that more people have their needs met and um, more people have access to healing from past hurts that the culture has created and that there's more collective care that we're moving out of this individualism um, this you know small family units that are supposed to be self-supporting when all the evidence is, is showing that that's just not possible no matter how good we are you know no matter how good a parent we are we can't do this alone right but we're in this double bind now of well how do we do it differently and i think being part of understanding that that's the journey that we're on as a culture brings me a lot less isolation brings me feelings of being in community with people who i might never know who are on a journey of creating more peaceful kids yeah and it's it's so difficult because um it's like we are learning ourselves these new ways of being and new ways of relating um uh and new ways of yeah of, of relating with each other and then at the same time we're trying to teach it to our children so and then at the same time we're in this i sort of say it you know like you know that idea of like the fish don't know they're in the water so like we've been um, I, I certainly have a sense when I'm interacting with my daughter that, you know, I've, I was raised in this control based parenting culture um, and I didn't know I was, you know, that was just the norm for me and, and all of us were brought up in a certain way and that's the norm. So it's really hard to actually see outside of that sometimes. And my daughter is always showing me and, and <laughs> you know, like, why are you doing it this way? Like, and I have to really question it and and so I think a huge part of it is just having actually having that awareness of uh like how we're interacting how our um how how we were raised has come into the present and how we are now um this default way of interacting with our children is like questioning that and is that is that helpful and why am I doing that and where is that coming from and that can be a really painful process, um, especially when your children start asking questions like, why are you sending me to this school institution that <laughs> that um, I don't feel safe in? You know, what what is going on here? So that that can bring up really difficult questions for us as parents to, to try um, and deal with that. And then we're trying to teach those skills to our, our children as well, whenever we haven't quite, well, I speak for myself, when I haven't quite uh, got my head around them I suppose um, but it is I think that like we we do the best we can with that and I think then what we what we're doing is I see it very much as we're handing the baton over to our children to then you know run with it um, like you know I, I'm very imperfectly trying to teach you a new way of relating to people in the world with respect and with staying connected to yourself and your values um, and, and you're going to have to figure it out a little bit more because I'm seeped in this old way of doing it and I'm trying to break out of it. But it's it's very hard. You're like trying to teach these skills from you don't really have the rule book or the template. And like you're trying you're kind of writing the rule book as you're yes. parenting. It's so difficult. <laughs> but I think it's I really do think it's good enough. And like I, I have this example of my of my daughter. Um, you know, it was really important for me to 
um, to, you know, to think about consent and to teach her consent, not just by explaining to her what it was, but by like practicing that in in my parenting. So it was always a rule from when she was tiny in our house that, you know, if somebody says no, you have to stop. If somebody says no, they don't want to um, play anymore or um, if, if something you're saying or doing is making them uncomfortable and you've got to stop. And I remember just then her, her um, playing with some kids out in our back garden and they hadn't had that lesson in their uh, from their parents. And um, th one of the kids was sort of making the other child really uncomfortable for the play and they wouldn't stop. And the child was saying, stop, stop, stop. And the other child wouldn't. And my daughter was only like, I think she was only two or three at that stage. And she was like, no means no. <laughs> you must stop right now. <laughs> she was all over it. So even though, you know, I'm not perfect in terms of understanding or being able to advocate for myself and others around consent, I'm still very much learning all of that. But I was able to to pass on that, like, you know, th those skills to her and she just was able to run with it then. So, um, yeah, so that gives me a lot of I suppose that gives me a lot of hope. Like. <laughs> It shows me how, you know, I'm always, my daughter is always showing me how many ways I have to uh, rethink things and, and unlearn things and grow. Um, but at the same time, it gives me hope that she, whenever kids, are, their brains are so um, plastic and so able to adapt, um, that, that she can take that and she'll take that to the next level, like far beyond whatever I can do. But I'm trying to just plant, the way I see it, I kind of, I'm trying to plant those seeds um, so that she can, but it's going to be her role to make more sense of that and to, but I can already see it's so encouraging to me, um, you know, my daughter's 10 now and having parented in this way for 10 years that to see how she can bring that out into the world already and, that, you know, I can see that those values by me modeling it as best I can and very, very imperfectly that she is able to bring those out into her relationships in the world. Um, I wonder, do you have any, I'm sure you have some similar uh, situations with your own boys. Is there yeah, what, springs what to mind? comes to mind in kind of like navigating that, you know, yes to the planting seeds, right? I think that's all we can do with the limited everything that we have as parents. And what, what comes to me to want to add is how can we also in live time create the conditions where those seeds are more likely to be nourished. So for example, if I, you know, through having good listening partners and all that reflection, know what you know, which is like, I have limitations in these skills, right? Like we all do, because we've all inherited the culture and experiences that we have, right? That's true for all of us. But then to me, what's fascinating is like, especially with older children and, you know, even younger than we expect often, like four or five up kind of thing. To, to make that explicit to our children, to actually say, hey, there's times that you might notice that I, I'm like swinging between like two ways of being. Like there's times where I might be like, no, you can't do that. And there's times where I might be like, you have a right to choose <laughs> what you want to do. <laughs> like to name that with our children, to actually say, that's because I'm trying to change how I was brought up or the world that I grew up in. And there's times where you will see me 
like not being the kind of parent that I want to be, but to give them then the insight that you're trying to grow in lifetime that you're trying to grow it, right? So for the consent thing, one thing that I might say with my kids is like, you know, they're not saying no, are they? Right? So I'll bring them into my process. They're not saying no, but it doesn't really feel like a yes, does it? Right? So give them like, What's my internal process to try to work out is consent present here? Because they're not saying no, because that child is not comfortable saying no, right? That's often what happens in our dynamic is the child is not saying no, but the child is not saying yes, right? So I help them see that nuance and pull it out a bit. They're not really saying no, are they? No, but they're not saying yes either. How can we tell that and ask them, put it back to them? Yeah, their body's kind of saying that, or it looks like they're kind of frowning or they're not excited about doing it. Great, yeah, I can see that too, yeah. And also I'm noticing for me, I don't feel excited about doing that thing with them. I feel like I'd be kind of pushing them. Do you feel like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know what I mean? So you're like, bringing them into developing the skills, developing the conditions for understanding. So, you know, if they're experiencing something uncomfortable, if it's in the moment that it's not too charged, I might get them to, to reflect, like, how do you know that that's not what you want, right? And they might say, oh, I just feel yucky in my tummy when I think about it. Yeah, your body knows so much, doesn't it? You know, just those like seeds plus the nourishing conditions that they can take in to try to um, cultivate those skills more. Like, for example, yeah. well, with, you know, my kids are in school uh, at least part time, at least when they want to, which is a great privilege that I've had to alter my life to allow really you know to to not have the careers kind of structure that I wanted so that I could have that freedom yeah just reflecting on you know having kids in school and and the 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 pull that that we feel as parents between you know just needing to have our own income or you know whatever it is that the reasons that we need them in school um, and how often it's not fully our choice or we're not happy with the kind of schooling that, that they're getting, that I hear that often. And that's also my experience because that's the institutions, no matter how good the individual teachers are, the teachers themselves are also unhappy in those systems because they're not trusted to follow their skills and their interests and to trust the children in the way that they often want to. Um, and that's the impact of institutions on all of us. So how do I deal with that with my kids? So often I will help them understand the discomfort that they're experiencing, you know, to name that, to say like, yeah, you really wanted to be in school with your friends today. And I'm hearing that it was really hard to have all those rules put on you. That was also really hard. That's so hard, isn't it? When there's parts of something that we love, things that we don't love at the very least, like validating those experiences, because it can be so tempting to just want them to experience, it's fine, it's grand, you're grand. She wasn't that bad, was it? It was okay, yeah, you had a good day, yeah. And you'd met your friends today, great, that's brilliant. And then just kind of eliminate all the other stuff and marginalize it so that, 
you know, we don't have to deal with their discomfort of the decisions that we've put them through because it's it's so guilt enhancing and it is for me to have to make those compromises. So that's what I would offer is, you know, really be explicit with your children and especially with teenagers. Like I find that teenagers love this, to know that we're in a cultural transition, to know that they're part of creating a whole new world, that we welcome the challenges that they present about the culture. That's what teenagehood is about. Like that's what that stage of life is about. It's about finding new ways and it's so inspiring working with young people at this cultural edge because they're just not willing to accept and tolerate the kind of oppressions that we have had to that we have had to um you know they can see that the bottom rung of the ladder doesn't exist anymore that they're probably never going to get that mortgage that we were promised and that you know the job for life doesn't exist anymore and that being you know 20 60 120,000 in debt is not going to guarantee you the career that you were promised to pay that back you're still going to be on minimum wage uh, if you if at all you're going to get employed so they can see the limitations of the conditions that we've created for them and they're looking to create more equity and some of that means that they need to stand in protest so I wonder, as you know, people who are older, who are like now could be perceived as eldering that younger generation, even if we're not parenting, I wonder how we can support those kind of protests, how we can support people collectively saying no and how we can get involved. And I think one of the reasons I'm interested in that, just finally, is like it makes me uncomfortable. And I, and I know I've heard from young people over the years, especially in my work in kind of climate change stuff, they do not want to be handed a baton. They do not want to be told that they're, they're, they're responsible for the future. And it's also not true. Like we hold more power, right? So it's therefore our responsibility to find ways to share that in, in any of the ways that we, that we hold power, like especially with our children and young people. How can we include them more in that power, give them more choices, real choices, where they can craft the kind of lives that they want. And that really excites me as well, because I have so much trust in human capacity. I have so much trust in the nature of humans. Um, and I think it's the institutions and the cultural stories and norms that have really created human behavior that's not, that's not very, I don't know what the word is, but doesn't feel good for most people. Yeah, and yeah, I wonder, so, let me let me let me take us in this direction is that this idea that you know we've talked about how that on one on one side I, I've got a lot of hope because I see this journey that we're on in terms of parenting and you know how things were only like even in our own childhoods like what what you were describing there um about the, how you know being gay was illegal and you know all of those things that have changed corporal punishment in schools and all those things that have changed even in our lifetime and um when I see that journey that we're on and I see my own daughter and how um the, the some of the skills that I have have um, modeled or given to her and how she brings that out into the world it gives me so much hope um but then at the same time when I look at the big picture as well of you know the situation that we're in with um, the way capitalism is the at the minute as well, it's so worrying in terms of you know inflation and the cost of living and all of these um, 
these worries that we have as well as the climate crisis that's going on um so it's I know it's such a such a complex thing there's so many uh parts going on in this so yeah so part of me is holding this trust and uh, and hope that for the future and and you know what is to come and part of me is in complete panic about uh you know the the, the way the world is and and these big systems that seem so unwieldy and so difficult to turn this big ship around in term, terms of how we relate to the world and how we take care of the world and how we relate to each other as well through these you know capitalist systems so Catherine I wonder do you have any thoughts on that and are any you know how do we um how do we navigate all of that or how do we stay hopeful or what what can we do <laughs> slightly big question for you <laughs> yeah I mean it's my daily right like that's I navigate that also like you can't see the science and the stats and all the indicators of inequity um you know as well as the climate change stuff without being terrified like really you know if you're not terrified you're not paying attention that's how I feel about it and I can't for the most part it's not helpful for that terror <laughs> to inform everything that i do it's just like that's creating more you know systems of of terror like in my own body and my own parenting like if, if that's what i'm reacting from but i really feel like it's important to acknowledge that you know and to validate the experiences that people have which may be complete disconnect right maybe like oh don't talk to me about that like and that is also really common right now we've done our kind of climate change care over the last 10 years previously and public interest in climate change is at an all-time low right because we see no hope in it and we don't see our part in uh, either being responsible or capable of creating any change and then we pass the baton on to people like Greta Thunberg and the young people and we put our hope in them what interests me is collective power, right? Like if there's only a few people who are um, holding power and benefiting from these systems of oppression, then there is a whole lot of us who are, um, what's the word, colluding is how I often feel. Like the ways in which I collude, even in the smallest ways, um, I'm interested in how we can each as individuals stop colluding with systems of power in those smallest of ways. So even if it's just in the act interaction with our children, right? Like that is changing the world. That is changing the world. Having different interactions with children, giving them, you know, as many of their needs and meeting them as possible, validating and listening to their feelings, giving them connected play and joy with their adults. How gorgeous is that? And then bringing in like all of those interactions around like consent and connection to the body and care and and uh, and a, a feeling of majesty towards nature. They're paradigm shifting behaviors that should not be minimized and are only minimized within systems of oppression as being minim you know women's work, home based work. It's not the case. Like these are the things that change society for the better as are those you know multiple opportunities that we have for interacting with those systems and structures of power in ways that don't collude so i would suggest you know asking how am i upholding 
the status quo in every context that I'm in? And then which moments of that do I want to find a way to disrupt, right? So maybe it's like I recognize that my workforce is entirely white, right? Which has happened to me at one point. Um, what do I want to do about that, right? Like how am I colluding with uh, patriarchy and white supremacy thinking even in allowing that workplace to maintain its lack of diversity? In race. Um, if I'm recognizing that there's assumption that uh, a wedding guest is uh, of the opposite gender, how can I bring the attention of the person sending out invitations, right? Like just those little tiny things that help people feel more inclusive on a daily basis. And then you know, find the ways to, for you, for each individual to influence the systems that they're in. Like they're, if they're in a workplace, to look at the ways that it upholds oppressive systems. So maybe it doesn't offer paternal leave. Maybe it just offers maternity leave. So how can we ensure that there's more balance there? Maybe that's something that people can do in their workplaces. Um, if they're seeing people in a group and there's somebody who's talking about an issue, it's often so hard to do that. Like I'm often the person who's naming the problem in, in systems. To have somebody that then stands with me or doesn't dismiss me or move the conversation on too quickly, to be that first follower almost, you know, to have that like uh, commitment to being in the discomfort of raising challenging topics. I think those kind of things can be a huge difference, make a huge difference. And explaining to children, like this is, we're, we're at like a, a point of change. I often say, say that to my seven-year-old, like, yeah, like you'll often hear like some people talking like about women as though, you know, they're not as good as boys or as not as good as men. Like you probably pick that up or you hear people talking about people with different color skin, like darker skin and saying mean words, like naming that stuff. Yeah, that's because like we're coming out of a time in the whole world where people believed that. So sometimes you'll see like little seeds of that that are still floating around. And here's what's important to do when that happens. Right. And give them the tools, give them the knowledge to see. For me, what I couldn't see, what, what it took me like decades to try to understand. What, what, why does this feel unequal? Oh, it's because it, oh, it is unequal. It's because it is, right? It's because they have been given more structural power to make a decision for you because they're an adult and our society says adults should have more power and control than younger people. Okay, that's the rule. Like that's just the unspoken rule. But if I can make it spoken, somehow I feel like it gives them more agency, right? So sometimes like you're just gonna have to do that, right? Sometimes if the teacher says, yeah, it's time to be quiet now. You are just gonna to have to do that even when you don't want to. And I'll be here to listen to how awful that felt to you because you just wanted to do something super exciting in that moment. Um, and also sometimes to give them the tools to say like, no, I, I won't do that. You know, No, that doesn't feel good to me. No, I don't wanna play kiss chase, right? Or yes, I wanna play kiss chase or, that person is saying yes, but their body's saying no. What does that seem like to me? 
to help them kind of navigate the nuances of the shifting culture, you know, the things that we've inherited, the things that we're trying to create to help them see that gray area. Um, even in the really accessible stuff, like, you know, bad guys and good guys, like as they get older to really help them understand, you know, nobody's really a bad guy. Like they might be doing things that's really not okay with us. And we never have to say yes to that, but like, they're not, doesn't make them just a bad guy, you know? And there's like great examples that you can pull from the culture. Like my partner often pulls like Hulk, like is Hulk a bad guy or a good guy? Like he had some really hard stuff happen to him and now he's got these huge feelings and he doesn't have anywhere to take them. And so they come out and they explode. Like, does that ever happen to you? Yeah, that doesn't make you a bad guy. Sure it doesn't. Sometimes it's the same with your teacher, right? Sometimes they have like huge feelings that explode. Um, it helps to understand that, but it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay that they still shouted at you or that they put you there and not there. You know, like helping them to understand what's happening is where I, I suppose, regain some of that power that we just don't have in this transition period that, you know, as much as we'd love it to be different, as much as I'd love to send my kids to a school where their teacher adores everything that comes out of their mouth and sees it all as part of their learning experience that's not the reality so how do I keep them safer in that and also prevent them from internalizing it and I think that was one of the other things that you know in my experience and I'm sure this is true for many of us like when we're part of a world that doesn't quite work for us we often assume that it's us that you know if I was more this or less this and that that I, I call that internalizing that's what's called internalizing those you know those challenges being our fault and so I'm really keen to try to give my kids and people I work with that understanding that actually it wasn't your fault that that was the culture that we were in and that was the very best that we could do to be in that culture um, and now we have a choice to do something else Mm. yeah and I think as parents that's such an important uh, an important point as well that we often feel that it's our fault that you know whenever we're not getting it right whenever we're losing our temper with our kids when we're struggling with parenting that we feel you know this is this is our fault we're failing um, and that's why um, I think this conversation we're having is so important it's about like this zooming out type effect of like you know what is the bigger picture of this that um uh, you know we're in a culture that doesn't support parents well and that's not and we're living in these small nuclear families that's actually very uh, it's very um, new to our uh, to humanity to to live in this way to be so unsupported and to be raising young children without a good community system in place so um you know it's something I say to the parents that I work with all the time is you know that's that this is a really difficult way to live um so it's not your and society puts it on individual parents you know so it's not your an individual failing of you as society would have us believe that you can't show up every day and be like fun parent you know playing all the games being so patient doing this you've got big big issues and big things to worry about in life um and so you're you're trying to survive in this world that's set up um yeah and this in the system to to not bring out the best in people anyway and to life is life can be really really difficult and then you're also trying to 
be emotionally available to a, 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 a mm -hmm. small child or a number of children. Um, and that's such a that's such a difficult place to be, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, the expectation of nothing but joy and satisfaction and all the things that society puts, especially on mothers, that we should be was also carrying all of that, like all the pressures of the current system, as well as the failures of the system on our pasts and all the pains and hurts and triggers that that leaves us with, as well as then having to participate in institutions that create further harm, whilst we being told we should look fabulous, feel so happy and joyful all the time and like have an amazing experience mm -hmm. with their children. Like it's ridiculous, it's impossible. Um, and I think the more that we see the impossibility of that and, and make space for our imperfection as part of this journey, like that this is us learning under great pressure alone often to do better. Um, yeah, and yeah, just to, to genuinely get like the hand in hand approach, the aware parenting approach is utterly life changing, is utterly life changing because it shows us that I, I call it the handbook, like the parenting handbook, the one that we, you know, joke that we never got. Because it kind of is like, it kind of is like, hey, these are all the needs of your children and these are multiple tools, but there's only five, <laughs> you know, for meeting those. And this is how they look and this is how they do it. And then we have amazing people like you who are dedicating their lives to being that, you know, side by side guide, you know, to show us to, to how to do that again and how to do that collectively is hopeful. Yes. So maybe we should end there on that note of hopefulness. <laughs> and maybe just a, a little final question that's just come into my head. It's like, what do you, you have your two boys and like, what do you, what do you hope for them and their future? Hmm. I don't know if I've gone into that, actually, that, that idea. I don't know if I'm in a hope for their future mode. Probably I'm in the, in the kind of tending to the minute that's where I'm at with my parenting is like holding the picture that we've talked about like this is why this is why because I feel that deep in my bones this is why but like the managing of that why on the day-to-day -day interactions is kind of enough it's kind of enough like it's kind of too much of course at times but it's also like I trust that those small interactions, however imperfect, are creating the conditions that they can nurture through their own personalities, through their own life choices, um, and that they can question, you know, that they can question and, and be able to point out with safety the ways in which they see me not meeting those ideals you know especially in those triggered moments where they can say oh you shouted and that really felt scary you know and I can take ownership of that and show them what it's like to take ownership of that to me that's where hope resides is like how are we relating how are we showing up how are we recognizing our own limitations getting our bottomless pit of needs met in the tiniest ways that we can 
um, and getting through, but getting through with the commitment to doing things as equitably as we can in those small moments. Mm. Yeah, and I think that that's that's all. That's such a gift to give to our children. Is you know, it's not about. I certainly, whenever I came to parenting, I thought I had to be perfect. I'm going to do this perfectly, and it's. I've realised now, um, having parented for over ten years, that it's not about being perfect. It's about giving our kids the skills to 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 work with that and to figure things out and to stay connected to themselves and and um you know we don't have to be perfect all the time but we we attend to them enough that they can um go out into the world and question these things and be aware of them um and yeah and then hopefully they can make their own impact in the world mm. yeah so Catherine, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. I love our conversations. <laughs> thank you for being here and and thank you for the 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 uh, all the work that you do in in the world. Uh, I will I will link in details of how to get in touch with Catherine and how to check out um, the her organisation, the Change Agency. Um, and yeah, but thank you for being here today and talking to us. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Hopefully it translates over in a way that's helpful for people to listen to, because I know we we get so much out of this um, this possibility of, of like a journey, a parenting journey that the collective is on and the, the hope of social change that's involved in everybody doing a tiny bit better than was done to us like so hopeful to be a part of that and so much less divisive than all of the different kind of perspectives and approaches that we can often feel excluded by um, but to see that we're actually part of a parenting journey that's shifting culture to something that's more beautiful and more um, meets our needs I think that's so lovely thank you for everything that you're doing to make that happen Oh, thank Catherine. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening, I would be so grateful if you left a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. This will really help me to reach more parents. You could also share the podcast with any other hardworking parents you think might enjoy it. Thanks for your support. Would you like to get your kids listening so you don't have to shout? and instead you can start enjoying being a parent, then pop along to my website, pamtheparentcoach.com or follow the link in the show notes to get signed up to my next virtual masterclass. See you next time.